what we should probably do is we should probably just go to the football. We can talk about ourselves in a minute, except for Joey. Joey doesn't feel good. We're sorry, Joe. What's up, man? What you got? I don't know if you can tell from my voice, but um, <clears throat> I have one of those. Uh, <laughs> I've had a, I've had a, I've had a cough for three weeks, and then it got better, then it got worse, and then it's back and forth, and um, it's amazing. I love it. And uh, I think I think it's the kids. You know, they uh, they make you they they um they make you sick because they uh, I don't know they touch everything. I don't know why kids get sick all the time, but they're they're filled with germs. The baby's chill though. The baby's cool. Scooby Doo episode. Those damn kids. Yeah, I I would have gotten better if it wasn't for you damn toddlers. Right. Um. Don't have kids. You know what was awesome? That fucking game. Oh man! Yeah, I keep hearing about this game. Did you watch it, Joey? Did you happen to catch any of it? I did. I, it was, I did. I, I yeah. actually watched one hundred percent of it, and it was fantastic. I need to get up to two hundred percent because it was perfect. What time did you fellows go to sleep last night? Did you Did you stay up? I went until about two because I had to do media stuff afterwards, which is just great. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I was up till two thirty, and my alarm went off at five this morning. Nice. Because <laughs> yeah. I was I was so pumped and jacked from that game, I just I couldn't come down off the high I was on. And it wasn't like, you know, if they would have lost the game, would I have been like, no, the Rams season's over? Of course, it was just it was an amazing kind of moment. Like LA, it was the best LA Rams moment. Yeah. The return, right? Since they've been back. Yep. It was fun. The Eagles game was fun, but they lost both. I mean, this just this had it all. This this was. This was Elliot football. This was our team. This was, you know, 15 years of suckage and Jeff Fisher and all that. Just we were on the biggest stage. Everyone in the country was watching us. Everyone was talking about us. We pulled out a fantastic win and a close nail. I mean, back and forth. Everything you could ask for. I was so pumped after that game. Uh, I, I couldn't go to sleep. I, I was just wired. I was reading everything I could read. I was watching interviews i was tweeting i was talking i was talk, talking to people in europe who were just getting up going wow hey i'm having a good game that was uh it was it was ridiculous on my part so uh, and i'm still kind of amped i ripped a shirt i when we scored the winning touchdown i tried to pull my shirt up over my head out of excitement and i've i didn't know maybe it's my nose i don't know if i have a, a powerful nose or something but somehow i ripped my entire shirt up my face I've never done that before, but that's how excited I was. I ruined a shirt over it on my face. A right, quick, quick poll, gentlemen. Uh, how many of your wives were annoyed with your antics during the game last night? Oh, uh, both of both my wives, all five of them. Joey, was 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 Mrs. J Mrs. O not too pleased with you, or are you guys you know, keeping it down because the kids were sick? She's yeah, she's not she's not a football fan, so I think she was she was pretty she was pretty cool with it. But I definitely was I was behind about 15 minutes at times because nice. I just pause and I go do things. And then um, I watched the fourth quarter real time, but um, I unfortunately was, was, uh, you know, everybody's sick. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't the prime, you know, we, I wasn't like in a barn, like, you know, hugging strangers type of thing. We, we've got this. And we were talking about it before Joey and, and the, to the idea that this was the perfect game since the return to LA, this was the first time where I had friends of mine, talking to me about the Rams during a Rams game. Even even in the playoffs, granted, I was at the Coliseum and all three of us were, and the reception ain't great, but they had ne not any other time, really. Maybe the Saints game, because I got a lot of family from Louisiana, but other than that, nobody had ever, none of my boys from high school or college 
or the army had hit me up and been like, dude, the Rams are for real. This was the first game where they were doing it during the game. I had cousins in Arizona and Louisiana and all over that were like, dude, your team is good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. And and it, it was it was fun, too, to kind of um, be able to have like a confidence that, oh, like they blew it. I just I felt like I had confidence that that they were going to keep scoring. That 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 this that this is what it was supposed to be, and that's just nice to not be disappointed in a hyped up game. With thirty five points scored in the fourth quarter, it's pretty special. Um, yeah, I mean the the expectations of this game were already big. I was tongue in cheek calling it game of the year with the little copyright uh, symbol on the site because there was just so much hype. It was isolated on Monday Night Football. Everybody was getting ready for this game, and especially because Sunday was kind of a lackluster schedule and played out that way. And you saw a lot of people talking about it that, you know, midway through this game, people were like, man, this just makes it look like on Sunday they were playing a different game because this game was so much better, even with all the hype it delivered on it. I don't know that you could ask, I don't know you could ask for more out of a football game. I mean, you, 23-23 at halftime because both teams missed an extra point. <laughs> uh, you know, the Rams got up by 13, then they're down, and then, you know, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, you had people complaining about lack of defense. There are three defensive touchdowns in this game. What do you mean lack of defense? I mean, I get lack of, you know, maybe limiting scoring or whatever, but there were splash plays made at every facet of the game. You know, Johnny Hecker booms a 68-yard punt when you, you needed it most. And how many times this year have we you know, talked about maybe as Johnny Hecker mortal? He hasn't had the best of years. He's you know, shanked a couple here and there. And every once in a while, he reminds you he's Johnny Hecker. And then, boom, last night. He just crushes a ball that Tyreek Hill inexplicably takes back into the end zone and decides to bring it out. I mean, this game had everything you could want in in a football game. And I think, did it live up to the hype? Damn right it did. I, I, I think it, it over-delivered. It was, it was unbelievable. We had that Thursday night football game with the Vikings, and that was such a great showing because we had those just shots of the L.A. crowd. They're going nuts. And I think it was the first time since they've moved back to L.A., that I think on a national stage that you saw the crowd be this sort of force that you were like, oh, wow, like this is awesome. And the commentators who we'll get to this later, I, I thought weren't the best, but they mentioned many times how this the crowd was really loud. And yeah, there was Kansas City fans, but it wasn't like this swath of, of red jerseys everywhere. I felt like there's a lot of Rams fans. They were really loud. I thought they had an amazing showing. And I just thought it was awesome for this big primetime game. Especially at night, you just felt like L.A. was represented in a really positive light. And so I think coming out of the game, you had the Rams coming out going, oh, they look great. Like, you know, their offense is amazing. And also, hey, they got a fan base behind them. Yeah, and two things you got to give credit to. You got to give credit to the crowd because, remember, they got that false start early on. And I think there was a delay. I don't, I don't remember, but the, they, they forced a couple penalties. Clearly unsettled. And I think you can credit that directly to the crowd noise and the, the, the conditions of the audience in the moment. But I think you also got to give some credit to the Rams as an organization. Remember, this game moved from Mexico. On Tuesday, they made that decision. And so with the fires, having relocated a bunch of their staff into temporary you know, work facilities, they had to, to get everything ready for this game for tickets and parking, which wasn't even available and all the logistics and, you know, the concessions and merchandise and security and media. And then everything that we had pregame, which I thought struck a really uh, sincere emotional tone and, and appropriate to be able to handle that on Monday Night Football, I think everybody did a fantastic job. I think the one question 
that we might have. I mentioned it last night, and I think everybody was just kind of confused about what was going on, and we're going to get to the spate of these in a little bit. But we moved this game from Mexico because of the field conditions and concerns over player safety, especially because players were threatening to boycott it, and that's really what motivated the decision. Uh, there were a lot of injuries last night. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I don't think you can ever directly tie field conditions to injury, but the Rams came out of this game with a lot of injury concerns and, you know, to have moved the game from Mexico that I talked about the precedent it set on the site in our last podcast, you got, you got to, you got to worry about where we're headed with these kind of things, because this is going to be a topic that we're going to have to revisit in the weeks ahead. And especially as we head towards the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you talked about Soldier Field being tough conditions with the field kind of being really rough and torn up in the middle of the of the field, the center of the field, if you will. And it kind of felt like a little bit too last night when you really, as the game got going, it felt like it the ground was really chewed up and the Ugh. sod was just really kind of you you could just you could just see it kind of just like ripped out of the ground. And yeah, you you know, USC also plays there. So, you know, you have two teams. I don't know. Is it a bad field? It it wasn't the best showing last night. And when you really saw it when they had some of those those you know down on the field shots where they would get down like the on the field shot and you, you actually get to see that just a chunks of turf land everywhere. Uh, with that said, you know I think you're going to get that in a lot of stadiums, but I don't know that it's going to get to the point where you know people are are getting injured because of this, of that. I mean, at some point. I, I just I just, I don't know I can't see I can't see a, a surface being as bad as they reported it was in Mexico but we never saw it we just saw on Tuesday we we saw shots from like you know satellites overhead and we saw on Tuesday when they were putting you know fresh sod down which I think they weren't we think we talked about some of the last file that that wasn't just gonna you know take hold in time for them to, to play on it i think it's great that robo's trying to pretend that he doesn't follow shakira around on her world tour <laughs> like you weren't there in mexico city robo you love shakira hips don't oh, shine oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I, I love to see me in the shake i mean i'm i'm i'm, I'm a male I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a white blood a red-blooded american male i do love that shimmy shake do, do red-blooded american males even know who shakira is is she like real popular in the heartland I think if you're a dad and you are familiar with with Zootopia, <laughs> you might have to like have that song playing for your kids. I like Lee Greenwood, Garth Brooks, and Shakira, and Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. How many Shakira songs can Old A.W. quote? Seventeen. I like that one she sings about America. Fifty for fifty. <laughs> Alabama. Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas. Give it to me, girl. I think it'd be, I think it'd be great if Old AW was just an audiophile. Like he just is familiar with like everybody. Like he secretly writes for like Paste magazine or something. <laughs> <laughs> One group who didn't have a good night is Ooh. the broadcasting crew. How long are we going to do this? How long? How long are we? Especially if we're going to do these kind of games. Like if you're doing Monday Night Football and it's you know. The Rams against, I don't know, throw a team out there. That's just not that compelling or, you know, middle of the road team versus a decent team or two middling teams. Okay. But for this game, we, we, they, think about it. They moved this game to LA. They had the all-star referee crew. We're going to get to them too. The game was awesome. Is this the best that the broadcast can do for an ESPN on property? Just terrible. 
Well, who is the best? Like, who, who who's top? Is it Al Michaels and Joe Buck? Are those the the top guys now? Tony Romo. I mean, I like I like the Sunday Night Crew with with Collinsworth and Michaels. I think they sure. have a good chemistry. They do well, and Joe Buck and and Aikman do a pretty good job. Uh, you know, uh, who it's uh, Romo and um, Jim Nance, uh, CBS guy, uh, Jim Nance. They have a good report. I think people are trying to capture that. That, that Romo, that, that's what this felt like this year, at least. Hey, Romo came in. He was great immediately. Let's get his buddy, Jason Witten. People will love him. And he's just, he's awkward. He's not as good as Tony Romo. Uh, he, he just, the, the partnership feels forced. It just, it was not, it was not good. Rookie Troy Hill, and I'm like, what? What's rookie Troy Hill? I think, I think the graphics are embarrassing. I love the graphics, man. I like them because they're really bad. It's it's the old theory, right? Where once they get bad and get weirder, when you got you know Sean McVay playing Harry Potter and Les Snead on his, you know, the inconvenient truth, uh, lift j- cherry picker. I like them. They're dumb. Well, then they have to interact with them and have fun with it. I kind of feel like they're pretending that they aren't there, like they're like making their point, and then it's just these weird graphics. It's kind of like I think they need to lean into it and have like compliment the fun of it. I kind of feel like they're not even mm-hmm. aware that this ridiculous thing's happening, so it kind of comes off like, is this a mistake? Like, is this a like is someone playing a joke on these guys? <laughs> it just feels like kind of um a little bit uh, like it's just not not consistent. I feel like if you're gonna go ridiculous, like. I don't know, like mention it or like talk about it or, or, or I don't know. But it just, I feel like even Booger, like on his, you know, on his jib that he's kind of, it looks <laughs> like he's trying to direct a big budget movie out there on the field, kind of rising above, creating sightline issues for the crowd. And you're like, dude, what's your end game? Like, what are you trying to do? Just get a chair like a normal person. He kind of reminds me, did you ever play a uh, Mega Man? I don't know. You remember the bad guy in Mega Man? Had that weird, like floating, yeah. like castle in the yes. sky effect. I kind of want Booger on like a drone. Like yep. in the middle of the game, just floating over right. people and over the game. That would be that would be amazing. And he just has a sandwich and just like barbecue sauce and just dripping out of the field. And if you get hit by the barbecue sauce, it's a five yard penalty. The booger drone, Mad Max beyond booger, beyond booger drone. Nice. That thing with with McVay and they're talking about his draft picks and he had like the little cartoon thing on the on the race platform. Part of my late night, you know hanging out, couldn't go to bed, looking at stupid things on the internet, was uh, his wife, Carrie, Carrie Henderson, Steve, tweeting out a video of her showing that to him and him critiquing it, and it was pretty damn funny. They were they were back at home, they're like in their bedroom, wherever, he's like, he's, she's sitting in the bed, and he's kind of sitting there looking, he's got a phone, he's looking at it, and he's, he's kind of sauced, you know, he, he's, Good for him. he's had a few by that time, and he's like, what? He's like, what the hell? I mean, look at that hair. I mean, I, I've never put a hair product in my hair. Like, that thing's too orange and the jacket's all I didn't steal that jacket from Jerry Jones and he's he's totally critiquing the whole thing. He was he was kind of making fun of it. It uh it was kind of a cool little thing that probably not many people see. I want him to go full blown with it and just get the have all the sound effects like the slide whistle and like the <laughs> brrr, dong. Well and now supposed to <laughs> that was supposed to be Andy Reid, right? Like they kind of made him look not like a like a fat mechanic was the be- was the best non-football thing of the night andy reed yelling at jared goff in yep. the first quarter when he's trying to get the that was great. What did goff say? what did Goff? i mean i get it. he was probably just there did he do you think goff said a word to him or do you think he just walked over and andy reed was like get the fuck out of here i think he went over to reed and said it said <laughs> hey man do you smoke do you want to hang out afterwards uh me and higgs <laughs> 
you and Higgs, you want you want to come join Higgs and I for some Tosquita snoops after the game, Andy? And he like went full, he went full dad mode, like the adults are talking, get the hell out of here, you go in the other room. Dude, I loved you as the offensive line coach in Hard Knocks. You were great with that thing you did with your gut, man. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Get the hell out of here! Yeah, I do like maybe this dynamic moving forward between like Goff and Andy Reid, or the Rams and Andy Reid, of saying incredibly nice things and then him getting mad. Oh, dude, you look incredibly healthy. You've obviously been getting in shape, and I'm a big fan of your work. Stop talking to me! Leave me alone! That's awesome. <laughs> He needs to do that to like McVay. You know, there's, when you got a coach Reed over there who you, who you admire and respect, shut up. And then McVay just runs over. McVay just runs over. This is when you. This is when you become you, and you're gonna get all of it, all right here. All right, let's go get it. Come on, get a, get away from me. The new narrative that has come out of it, though, has been the idea. I saw, who was it? We re, I retweeted it from Tertial Times. So let me pull that up so I can give appropriate credit. But there was this idea going around that this was the beginning of the new NFL. I saw somebody tweeted the idea that this was year AD zero for the NFL and that moving forward, this is how it's going to be. The piece that I retweeted from Tertial Times was Connor Orr at uh, MMQB. Just the idea that this is the new NFL. This is what it's supposed to look like when it's done right. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Is, is this the anomaly for where we're at right now? Is this what everybody's going to chase? The, the, how deep is the impact from this game on the rest of the NFL moving forward? I think it's very interesting because you can now not blame the defense for scoring a lot of offense. And that used to be the narrative. And I think it's shifting that you don't have to shame your secondary or even your defensive line if you have a high scoring game, because that used to be the thing of like, oh man, they threw up 50 points. Like who, who shit the bet on the defense? And now you have this idea. It almost feels like the way the game is calibrated. Patrick Mahomes is going to get his touchdowns, right? It doesn't matter if Marcus Peters plays amazing or all of the defensive box play amazing. Their Tyreek Hill is still going to get in the end zone and that's what they want. That's what we're getting. Fans are loving it. So it's the new normal. So I agree. I think there is this new shift. It, it, it's not even about how like how your mind works. It's just it's how the game is played. Where, where I think people are butting heads is this idea of, oh, you can't win with this kind of defense. I saw a lot of people, and I, we're, we're going to have to write it out and kind of flesh it out to start moving this discussion forward is, you can't win the Super Bowl with this kind of defense. This you're not going to be successful with this defense. Well, they're ten and one. They're they've beaten a bunch of good teams, and now they've beaten the Kansas City Chiefs, who are built just like they are. At some point, I think some people are going to have to accept the idea that you can win playing like this, and maybe that the old rules that govern what we thought were conventional, uh, you know, setups for successful teams is starting to change. At least to the point that it's allowing teams like this to succeed. As much as we want to complain about the defense, Sean McVay said this thing best the other day. Right now, they're six and zero in one-score games, and when it when it comes down to game time, that team has got found a way to get it done ten times this year. They, they found a way to get it done. Uh, you know, so you can they give up these things, but at the end of the game, I was complaining to my wife that, oh damn, we scored too quickly. We got, we left too much time on the clock, and they have timeout left. And it, you know what? It didn't yeah. matter. They shut them down, and they won the game. They did the same thing to the Seahawks. They did the same thing. They've done it this year. So, yeah, you've given up yards, but they've you know gotten the job done when they've had to. 
I like how one of our problems is that young Gerald scored too quickly. <laughs> it's like I saw the Twitter was like, man, I wish young Gerald would have just what not scored a forty yard touchdown. It's like. Lay down. I pull a girly and just don't go out of bounds and just lay down. Let the clock tick. What's the old major league home run joke? It's too high. It's too high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you did mention it, Rob. You alluded to the idea of getting to that one timeout situation. So let's get into Sean McVay. That at the time, I think people were criticizing the play calls. We've since learned that what I insinuated throughout the game and was kind of obvious was that Todd Gurley wasn't 100%. Uh, at some point in the first quarter, he rolled his ankle. It, I mean, the fact that he had a season low in touches in a game like this and through the fourth quarter, when at times, especially in those last two possessions, you wanted to be able to run the ball effectively, they weren't even handing off to Gurley. It was pretty obvious something was wrong. What do you guys think about the idea? Somebody tweeted at us. It was a good way to, to kind of put it is this dilemma of what, what is more applicable, what is more threatening, 100% Malcolm Brown or a 70% Todd Gurley? And, and, and the play calling that you can use, I know McVay said that he wasn't using Gurley as a decoy, but there's no way to get around the idea that there's that effect when you have Todd Gurley on the field. But that was the dilemma he had, was essentially a, an X percent Todd Gurley that where X is less than 100 and 100% Malcolm Brown, and he went with Gurley. That's pretty interesting. All right, so let's put Gurley out there. No one knows that he's dinged up. You know, we haven't been using a lot, whatever. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna put him out there. You still have to account for Todd Gurley because he could kill you at any second. Uh, they they played it well. But personally, I think 100% of Malcolm Brown is in that situation is better than 70% of Todd Gurley because you're just trying to get the first down. So you positive yardage and make them use their timeout. So even if you you know you you bust up the up the gut for two yards, or whatever. Uh, you're not taking a loss. You're, you're putting it forward to make them use their timeouts. That's that's kind of what it is. But I also had said earlier today to, in our Slack channel, we were they were talking about the fact that uh, I think it was Charlie Hiller. I, I can't believe they, they they threw so many times and they did. you know. But you know what? Sean McVay is an aggressive coach, and sometimes you have to take the good or the bad. And as much as all of us would have said, run the ball three times. If he would have gotten the first down via the pass, we would be lauding how, what a great mind it was. It was like the fourth down call in Seattle. It worked. It was great because it worked. When it didn't work, then there's room for criticism. So I think sure. you have to take the good or the bad in that whole situation. I also like the idea that we had 455 total yards, 413 passing yards from Jared Goff with four touchdowns. We scored 54 points, and we're like, yeah, the offense, though, uh, I don't know. Uh, got concerns. Yeah. Right. It's it's interesting because McVeigh McVeigh must have seen something on tape that he can exploit the DBs and I, I I think there's some truth in that that if you look at the Chiefs defense there you can exploit their secondary more than you can their defensive line because I mean Chris Jones is a beast and Justin Houston was he was on fire too so I think that they're a little bit front loaded in in, in as, as far as um their talent goes so yeah I mean obviously like. Todd Gurley can deal with that on at 100%. But I think the aggressiveness of just all these pass plays was something that even if you had Gurley and, and you are using him as a decoy, I don't think that's a bad thing because on, on the other side of the ball, the Chiefs were doing a similar thing. I mean, they had Kareem Hunt, who was apparently 100%. And they weren't calling as many uh, run plays as well. I mean, it was just pass, pass, pass the whole time. I just think that was the rhythm of the game. So when they talk about the, 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 you know, the play calls and like what McVeigh was doing, I think he was 
he was dealing with the fact that this was a shootout. And I think that's, I don't know. I, th- I think that was the right call and it worked out. I don't think one team was the loser yeah. per se, just, you know, in record, like, you know, people say, oh, well, like with the power rent rankings, it's like, oh, and now the Chiefs are this beatable team. It's like, no, just somebody, somebody had to win, you know? And I, I, I think that I don't think any team screwed up by the way their play calling was. I mean, just that's what the game was. And, and it's a classic and that's, that's what it should have been. I think the interesting thing is, is the timeout situation because that was something we talked about last season with McVay about his, his timeouts. They talk about it with Andy Reid a lot, how he burns all of his timeouts. So you had this irony at the end of the game and, Andy Reid had three timeouts left, and McVeigh didn't have any. Hey, Coach Reid, I, I thought you managed the game well. You know, manage your timeouts and great play calling, and you, you've built a really good team. Get the hell out of my face! You get out of here! Compliments. <laughs> so true. Disgusting. So true. <laughs> That's awesome. He should have, I mean, I was waiting to see that with the, the post game hug between him and Marcus Peters. Ah, oh, Coach, I'm. I'm so, you know, it's great to see you. Good, good luck for us the rest of the way. Get the way, Marcus. We traded your head for it. Ah, two first names. I hate them. Get out of here. <laughs> Um. Yeah. The, you could. You could maybe argue that there were two kind of things. We'll get to the Jared Goff angle because I know Joey, you got to be itching. But you could really make the argument that the main difference. In this game, with the absence of Todd Gurley, I guess Todd Gurley was not 100%, that the main difference that kind of ended up deciding the game was Aaron Donald and not Aaron Donald. And we have Aaron Donald, and the Chiefs have not Aaron Donald. Jesus. Uh, has anyone, I think we've met, I've mentioned this a couple of times, has anyone ever signed a $135 million contract and then thought of as underpaid? Because the Destroyer of Worlds completely wrecked shop just wrecked shop. And it wasn't like, I'm going to come in and just fling him to the ground. I mean, he's laying out like Superman and not just bring him to the ground, but stripping on the way down. What, what's, what's that called, Joe? That's when, when, you, when, you, when you take down a quarterback, what's that, that thing called? Ooh, uh, the finishing a pressure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was glorious. He just, he was dominant and, uh, you know, the first, this is kind of what I envisioned for Samson. You know, I'll mention his name, Ebukam, what Going into the season, thinking, okay, if, if if Donald and Sue are as disruptive as they are in the middle, those guys on the outside are going to have to win their matchups because they're going to get a lot of one on one. And uh, that kid, the kid finally showed up. So, yeah, just Errol Donald, absolutely, I'm with you. Won this game. You know, there's 16 did his part, but for you know. Without those 21 points that the Rams got off a turnover, do they win this game? I'm not sure. Aaron Donald's awesome. He is our Thanos, our big beefy boy. Got to love him. And uh, Samson Abukam played a great game. I did I did like after the game, this was probably my favorite part of the uh, interview where they had Samson Abukam on, and they asked him what the Rams' strategy was. And one of the things he said was, well, our strategy was to limit big plays. Well, guess what? Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, Joey, your boy, Jared Goff, he finally did it. Late game heroics, two-minute drive to win the game. Obviously, it took some, you know, they had a chance to kill it off. It didn't happen without Gurley and kind of flubbed that opportunity, but that shouldn't take away from what pretty much was Jared Goff's career signature win. It's true. It was a beautiful signature win. I mean, I guess if you would script it, you would want it to be the final drive of the game. There's times that... 
I know in the Slack for Turf Show Times, there's some frustration with uh, Goff. People were saying, like, what's Goff doing? You know, he took yeah. some sacks. And, and he, he missed some the, throws. He missed he missed quite a bit of number of throws. Yeah. He did. He did for sure. He had some beautiful throws too. I, I felt like the throw to Brandon Cooks that he eventually dropped in the end zone was a beautiful Ugh. throw. How did Cooks drop that? that? But yeah, it was a perfect throw. That was a great throw. I thought the touchdown pass at the beginning of the game to Robert Woods, that was a great throw. Um, I felt like throw to Jay Ray that wasn't a touchdown. Yep. He had some great throws. Right? I think I think the thing about him that, that was great was that he was he didn't back down from the pressure. He still I thought he stepped up. I thought he I thought he played big. You know, he, he got banged up a little bit. Usually we don't have golf with yeah. with a dirty jersey with a lot of grass stains, but I think it all kind of evens out. I think he uh four touchdowns, four hundred and eighteen yards. Um I'm curious, just the the general national NFL media, how they think of him after this game mm-hmm. versus before the game. Was there a shift? Was there a bit of people kind of going, "Oh, maybe he's better than I thought he was," or is this <clears throat> is this kind of been the narrative? Because I felt like during the game they must have mentioned it more than five times that they that Goff was considered a, a bust in his first season. And that feels like such a huge part of his narrative that, oh, wow, look, he doesn't suck. We thought he sucked. Now he doesn't. That's a great point. What does he have to do to shake that Jeff Fisher year? He's put two good years back together. Can we just let that go and just, all right, he's a good I, I think it's going to take the season. If you, if you think about guys like Jason Witten and Booger McFarland, do you think they watched a single minute of Rams football in 2016? I don't, I don't, no. Yeah, I don't think they had any idea who the Rams were except by media reports. And the report that circulated among national media in 2016 was that golf was a bust. And so I, I don't even blame them for it because, you know, they've got other things that they have to do, and that was just the narrative that got presented. And I think this year it's going to be tough because if we talk about this game, I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Mahomes doesn't come out of this game with more love than golf because of the six touchdowns on the road. The, the, his style of play that can be more electric and maybe more entertaining than golf. But I don't think for Rams fans, we have anything to worry about with Jared Goff. The thing that most impresses me in games like this, there was one throw, I think it was in the fourth quarter, where it should have been an interception. It was a horrible throw and it was right to the Chiefs, and we got lucky that the guy didn't hold on to it. But Jared Goff has this weird a bit, and maybe it's you know the just his vibe, man, where he just doesn't care. There's no hesitancy in the next play to do the exact same thing. And maybe it's like maybe it's like a positive stupidity where he's like already forgotten about it the next play. Like, what, what do you mean like something could go wrong when? Dude, the last play where you threw it to that guy. Oh, shit, right. Oh, my bad. I just <laughs> totally forgot about that. I Whatever. Grip it and rip it, man. Where he's, It just doesn't have any effect on the next play. He's going to do it again if that's what he feels is best, and he doesn't allow the mistakes to kind of uh, hang around his neck. I mean, Ray mentions that almost weekly that you know his favorite thing about Jared Goff, or maybe one of his best attributes, is his his short memory. It's like he just he just you know what on to the next play. It is what it is. Let's move. And maybe that's what we need is more Cali quarterbacks that just don't care. You in your, your freshman year, and you'll you'll learn not to care. That'll be the new the question at the combine. Do you do you care about how you play? No, man. It, like it doesn't really matter. It's yeah. It's football, and uh, I mean, I don't really care. Uh, we're going to pay you $70 million to play in front of the co- – I mean, it's cool if you guys want to do that or if you don't. Uh, Can I get that in Taco Bell bucks? What are, what are you guys doing tonight, man? What are we doing tonight? We have to work. Oh, okay, cool. Just let me know when you guys get off. It's cool. 
we'll, we'll hang. Come on over. Pick, pick up a sub on the way over. Oh, bring that Nerf basketball that uh, me and Higgs left ours at the crib, dude. We got to have that. We're going in on this hotel room, man. We're going in. The signature win thing we've talked about in the past, that uh, that monkey's finally up his back, right? We, we can we can finally do away with the, you know, he's got fourth quarter comebacks, but they weren't they weren't when game time crunch had to do it kind of things. You know, this was. This was. Now it's done, right? It's done. Yeah, right? Joey, this this is this is your boys' game. Moving moving forward, we we may not we might get another one of these in the regular season, but to have this game Monday Night Football, Kansas City, we're not going to have the stakes this big uh, until the playoffs. So wrap it up and put a bow on it, man. This was your Christmas gift. Come early. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I did. I really. It was um it was a beautiful gift, and uh, I'm just I'm just pumped. I'm just happy that golf is uh. Did not shrink under the pressure. That nothing against Todd Gurley, but it was nice to see him be able to just put the team on his back and not have it just be Gurley's team or Aaron Donald's team. That he's 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 one of the stars of this of this team. How do you boys feel about this offense post Cooper Cup? He's not he's not coming back. He's not just day to day. He's gone, and we put J Ray back out there. And you know what? The kid stepped up. He's he's played well in that in that role. Um, I thought. There was one play that really stood out to me. Uh, Goff is rolling to his left. He's got Higgs in the flat, and he is covered. And so Goff has to he's being chased from behind. He has to turn and square his hips. And he flows the left. Nice little touch pass to, to Jay Ray, who one-hands it and pulls it in. Uh, the kid, he's just I, – I feel better about the lock, loss of Cup the last couple episodes. I'm like, you know, Cup is out. I just, the offense feels a little disjointed. If this is what we're going to have with more tight end, more young Gerald, more Higgs, uh, J-Ray stepping up, I'm feeling okay about this offense. I'm not, I'm not as worried as I was four weeks ago when Cooper was out, and I'm thinking, oh, we, we feel like we're not clicking. Now, talk to me again in a couple of weeks, and we'll sure. see. But the players stepped up on the biggest stage, which is, which is what you want. No one, shrunk, no one on the team, I felt like they shrunk away from what was in front of them. And that speaks maybe to the coaching staff, them just getting their guys – for sure. And that, I, I did a radio hit last night where somebody talked about the absence of Cooper Cup. And I was like, you know, you go back to last season where, remember, we were without Robert Woods for a stretch. We've had Cooper Cup out for a stretch. Uh, Todd Gurley obviously was pretty much out last night. Regardless of what gets thrown at this coaching staff, they've found a way to work around it so that the lack of personnel that was supposed to be in there hasn't really hampered them. Remember when Jamon Brown was suspended for two games? Yeah, that went okay. We, they, they just find a way to to deal with the absences. And I think this was another uh, indication of being without Cooper Cup and essentially Todd Gurley. And they still had a hell of a night, and Jared Goff uh, came up with a big one too. And the bottom line is, okay, kind of like the New Orleans Saint, Saints game, where at the end I said I didn't care if we won. This game I wanted to win because it was at home, the environment was great, and it was great to put a cap going into the uh, bye week on the first 11 games of the season with this. But the bottom line is the Rams are great. And just like the Chiefs and the Saints, these are three great teams. It's just one of those things where the Rams are a great team. And if we if we see the Chiefs down the line, if we see the Saints down the line, it's one of those things that I think there's no reason we shouldn't be excited uh, to see us play either of those teams again because we're just as good as them. And, you know, we're in the top tier of football, and maybe these are the only three teams in that tier. I want another shot at the Saints. Sure. Because uh, I don't think they played their best football against that team. And that, you know, that – Actually, has to do with the Saints and their defense playing well, but I think uh, I think we've got more in the tank, and I think we've got something for those guys. So I'm I'm hoping we see them down the road. 
What do you guys think about the refs? The All Star crew mm-hmm. is is maybe this is why it's an All Star crew is that's what they're supposed to do is call those penalties early on and the other crews maybe for whatever reason don't whether it's because they want a looser game it's it's not that a lot of them weren't penalties I thought the first two were pretty weak and the Troy Hill one at the end was pretty weak but other than that for the most part what they were calling looked like penalties they let the we get obviously there's this thing with holding that's going around every team around the league they let the rams quote unquote get away with holding they let the chiefs get away with holding i thought they called that pretty fairly and most of the penalties they called were pretty obvious on both teams i think the bottom line was they were just calling it pretty tight and maybe that's an indication that other refereeing crews aren't maybe that's the bigger problem i heard it uh maybe it was a dan patrick show someone had mentioned when i was driving it this morning they said uh you know, with this all-star crew, is, did you get all these penalties because each one of them is one of the shows that they know the game so well that they could call, you know, they should, they should, they see it, they're going to call it. So all these, you know, all-stars are calling their specialty and they just kept, you know, reaching for flags. The game, the, the penalty, I think I was, I was, I was happy it was called because it was the Chiefs, but it was the one that Robert Woods down around the goal line and gave up a first down. I thought, it was similar to what happened last year with like, the Rams and the 49er game. When you're leading a guy into traffic and they may play you, do you expect the DB to catch him, catch the ball, and then maybe put the hit on him? Or are you going to, you know, there's no way you're going to tell the DB, let the guy catch the ball and then hit him and see if you could jar it loose. It was, it was kind of a cheap play. But then, you know, flip it back on, on Troy Hill, the one you, you mentioned as well. You know, the, the catch is made. Receiver's going down. Troy Hill's just trying to get low and put his shoulder out there. The, the offensive player initiates the contact, and the flag goes away. So, they, you know, there were, I thought there were two bad plays. You could almost justify the, like, the flag on Troy Hill for, like, karma. What, what was he doing? What, what is, that was like the, a fetal position log roll. Like, what are, what are you doing? That's not even a tackle. <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed really weird. If, if uh, Was it Tyreek Hill who was coming at him? If he was any bigger, he would have girled him, right? Because that's pretty popular these days. Just... He was so low. Let's step over the top. Uh, flag number 32. Uh, fetal position. What the hell are you doing? 15 <laughs> yards, first down. is this man is this like oyster pudding what? are those are those are those two tickets to shakira yeah that's one of my favorite now that's one of my favorite old singles. don't you make cheesy chips with my casserole <laughs> you get aw gets all offended when he calls it dip yeah. oh man that was a great that was a great two layer i love a good two layer <laughs> it pairs nicely with my indica Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall, 
Don't do anything smart. 